this session we're going to be looking at Nehemiah. This is number eight of a series of ten sessions. And um, Reverend Homer Hodge is going to start us off tonight with our quote. It says, we care not for your splendid abilities as a minister or your natural endowment as an orator before men. We are sure that the truth of the matter is this. No one will or can command success and become a real praying soul unless intense application is the price. I am even now convinced that the difference between the saints like Wesley, Fletcher, Edwards, Brainerd, Bramwell, Bounds, and ourselves is energy, perseverance, invincible determination to succeed or die in the attempt. God help us. I tell you what, that is a powerful quote. <laughs> and it's a reminder that we don't just half decide to follow Christ. It's an all or nothing endeavor. Um, it's all of us or all of who we are, who God created us to be, all of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure, all of our testimony, or it's really nothing because he's worth everything. He is worth everything. And his kingdom and the mission that he has put in play is worth everything. Well, we're going to be talking in this session about Nehemiah. And the scriptures that you can find Nehemiah in mainly are the book of Nehemiah. Um, he did write the book. And I tell you what, it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit helps these writers. Because not one time as I've read through Nehemiah in my studying and in the past times I've read it, have I sensed that this man had it all figured out or he's trying to show somebody something or I think he was just giving a play by play. This is what happened. This is what the Lord told me. This is how I responded. And these were the results. And I love that humble approach that Nehemiah took. The central truth of this lesson is that you and I were created to have intimate relationship with and to be totally dependent on God. This reality is either won or lost in our prayer life. Um, you can go to church every time the doors are open. Uh, you can go to every Christian concert. You can watch all of the um, series that's out on the life of Christ um, and, and buy all the DVDs that go with it. But I'm here to tell you, unless you and I spend time in his presence in prayer, we're not going to see the reality that he desires for us. It truly is won or lost in our prayer life. And I think, I think, because I've been a Christian most of my life, and I've been in the Christian circles and in the church world for a very long time, even being in a pastor's home, I think the reason we as Christians can be so weak at times is because we're not connected uh, to the Lord, and we're not praying. We're not abiding in the vine as he commanded us to do. And that is so important. Um, but Nehemiah knew how to abide in the vine. In fact, we're going to see in Nehemiah's life that he prayed without ceasing. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. So who was Nehemiah? He was the son of Hakaliah and governor of the Persian province of Judah after 444 BC. He was the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, who ruled from 465 to 423. So he was a contemporary of Ezra. They worked together. Um, they weren't in tandem necessarily, but they, they overlapped in the middle a little bit in the mission that God called them to. 
And the thing he's known most for is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Ezra was sent back. The priests and the Levites were sent to restore the temple, restore the sacrificial worship. Ezra began to teach the law again to get the people in sync to follow after the feasts and understand the ceremony and the sacrifice and the not just the ritual of that, but the rhythm of that and to get that reestablished in Jerusalem. But as I said in the session on Ezra, Nehemiah was brought back to now protect everything that had been put back in place. So he's having to rebuild the walls. And you have to think about it. They've been trying to rebuild these walls for 140 years, ever since they were torn down and removed as captives and taken into exile. Somebody left behind has been trying to here and there build the walls because they knew without the walls, they wouldn't have the protection they needed. And um, so it's kind of been a hit and miss thing. But Nehemiah came back uh, at the summoning of the Lord and made it happen with the help of the Lord. What did Nehemiah do? Number one, he prayed and asked the Lord to give him favor with King Artaxerxes. You see, as the cupbearer, you weren't just off to the side waiting to serve whenever you were called in. You were right there. You heard every conversation. In fact, there were even times when the king would ask your opinion. And so you would have to be ready to, to give wise counsel or at least what you felt about an issue. So there was an intimate relationship between Nehemiah and Artaxerxes. It wasn't like a slave or a servant, you know, three doors down who only came when they rang the bell or clapped their hands. He was right there in the full action. Nehemiah 2 verses 4 and 5 says, the king said to me, what is it that you want? You see, Nehemiah came in with his countenance down. He, he just wasn't his old self. And the king noticed that. That's how you know they had an intimate relationship. You work with people, you go into the office every day, you know when somebody's having a bad day because you know what their good days look like and you know what their bad days look like. The king saw that something was wrong with Nehemiah and he says, what is it you want? He said, then I prayed to the God of heaven. And I don't believe this was an audible prayer. I don't believe he got on his knees and threw his hand. I believe it was a help me God under his breath. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. You see, he had gotten news from his brother, Hanani, that said, hey, the city's in ruins and we need help. We need you to come back and help. And I don't even know if Hanani invited him as much as just telling him what was going on and his heart was drawn to his homeland. And he's like, I, I need to help. And then the Lord came on him and had him have the courage to ask Artaxerxes if he could do that. What did Nehemiah do? Number two, he sought God at every turn during the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. Again, just like Ezra, Nehemiah is given a blank check, so to speak, and the king says, whatever you need, I will provide in re rebuilding these walls. I'm giving you permission and I'm giving you the resources. So he goes back to rebuild the walls. Point three, he had also brought moral reform to the priesthood and to the biblical worship and living. And he kind of tag teamed that with Ezra. Um, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We're mainly going to spend time on Nehemiah's prayers because there are about 13 or 14 prayers, depending on how you count them as you read through the text of the book of Nehemiah. But how was prayer a priority of Nehemiah's life? Well, number one, Nehemiah prayed fervently. We see that in Nehemiah 1, verse 4, 
When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now that's not a, hey, I stubbed my toe. Could you pray for me? Yeah, brother, I'm praying for you. And that's all that there is to that. He heard news that so touched his heart that it changed his action and his attitude in the moment. And he spent time. And I think that's where we're missing it. I'm, I'm including me. We're all together in this mess. I think that's where we're missing it is we're not able or willing to spend the time necessary to seek God for these issues that arise in our life. But Nehemiah did. And that's where anointing and power came from. He prayed fervently. Number two, Nehemiah focused on the greatness of the one to whom he was praying. I was sharing that with a, a young pastor today. We were at the uh, 61st annual South Carolina prayer breakfast this morning and we were seated at a table together. He was a stranger to me, but a brother in Christ. And we were talking and I, one of the gentlemen got up to pray and it was when that guy started praying, he had a Scottish accent, but it wasn't his accent. It was like all of heaven leaned in to hear what this guy was about to say. And he must have prayed for 10, 12 minutes. Everyone else prayed for about two or three minutes. And it wasn't one of those showy, flashy prayers. Hey, look at me, I'm praying right now. He was talking to God about international leaders, calling them by name, calling countries by name, calling political situations by name, asking God to intervene and bring peace. And it was like all of heaven leaned in. And when he finished praying, I looked at the guy seated next to me. I said, that guy spends time with God. And you know what that young pastor said to me? He said, I wonder what his knees look like. I was like, that's wow. That's a good question. So I, I just had a great insight there. But Nehemiah focused on the greatness of the one to whom he was praying because we can't always get our prayer right. But it's really not about what we're praying. It's who we're praying to because he's the one that has the answers. He's the one that has the solutions and he's the one that has the power to bring about the results. Number three, Nehemiah prayed for favor and success. We see in verse 11, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. Number four, Nehemiah prayed against the opposition. Now, we don't like to do this a lot in corporate prayer meetings because it can kind of throw people in a, a spin because you've got people of different maturity levels spiritually. But can I just tell you, spiritual warfare is real. And when you're praying and you're in God's presence and you're in the secret place with him, you need to, and I need to learn to pray against the opposition. And he did just that. We see that in Nehemiah 4, verses 4 to 5. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. These were the government officials that were trying to shut down the rebuilding of the walls. So they would come and hurl insults at Nehemiah and everyone that was gathered uh, to, to rebuild the wall. But Nehemiah prayed against the opposition. Number five, Nehemiah prayed to be remembered by God for his obedience and righteous acts. He did this several times. He did this in, in chapter five, and he also did it in chapter 13, several of the verses there. In chapter five, he says, remember me with favor, my God, 
for all I have done for these people. And this was not him saying, oh, I'm such a good, good Christian. I'm such a good follower of Jehovah. Um, remember me, you know, I, I'm, the, I'm one of the best assets on your team kind of thing. No, this was a humble thing. Lord, you have enabled me to be in this role to help my fellow Is, Israelites and to help rebuild the walls of this city. Remember how you've called me to do this and remember my willingness to serve you and my people in this way. It was such a humbling thing and a submissive thing. It was not an arrogant response. So Nehemiah prayed to be remembered. He also, number six, prayed for strength. <laughs> how many of us have prayed this prayer? Now strengthen my hands. <laughs> Whether it's our mind or our heart or our hands, whatever task we are set to, we need the Lord's help and strength. And at this point, they're not only building the walls, but they're carrying a weapon in one hand and a trowel in the other. So they're having to fight off the enemy and having to build the walls at the same time. And they did shifts. I mean, it was amazing the administrative piece that Nehemiah had to put in place with the help of the Lord to get it. Because think about it. I said this earlier, they had spent almost 140 of the years they were in exile trying to rebuild those walls. He, with the Lord's anointing and help, and the team of people that he gathered together, they did it in 52 days. That is a supernatural feat. 52 days. Number seven, not only did he pray for strength, but he and the people of Judah prayed corporately, repenting and asking God to forgive that, forgive them. And we see that in Nehemiah 9, verses 5 to 38. This is the longest recorded prayer in scripture. Nehemiah 9 verse 5 through 38. And because of that, I will not be reading it verse by verse because we just cannot fit it into the 25 minute time slot for each of these lessons. But I do want to end with the Christian life lessons here and touch on a couple of these passages in Nehemiah. Number one, Nehemiah had come to understand the words that would be spoken by Paul centuries later when he wrote to the Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. That's the part I want to highlight. Pray without ceasing. It, it's making more sense to me and I hope to all of us the need and the reason we need the Old Testament. The Old Testament helps give underpinnings to the New Testament. The Old Testament is all the New Testament writers had to look back on and know that it was the word of God and that it could be trusted and it was foundational. And so we see this lifestyle of Nehemiah praying without ceasing so that Paul could later look back and say, you know, the men throughout Old Testament scripture prayed without ceasing. It was an ongoing relationship it then goes on to say, give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I don't want just us to understand that Nehemiah understood this concept. I want us to begin to understand this concept. We need to see prayer as an ongoing conversation with the Lord. If we go to work and our boss needs something and it's chapping our hide. We need the Lord to help us. If we go to lunch with a family member and they're griping and complaining, we need to ask the Lord to give us wisdom and how to respond because we don't want to join in their gripe and complaint session. 
Um, if we are having to pay a bill that was unexpected and we're like, Lord, I, I just can't get ahead. God didn't ask us to get ahead. He asked us to trust him. He asked us to pursue relationship with him, that he would provide for the needs that we have. And that's where that intimacy grows, that ebb and flow, that give and take, that, Lord, I'm relinquishing my rights and I'm opening my heart to you because I want you to transform me from the inside out. I want who I am to be different a year from now because I've been in your presence. I've been exposed to your word. I've allowed you to transform and change the stuff in my life because you brought it to the surface and you said, okay, it's time to deal with this. Okay, I'm ready to help you overcome this. All right, I'm going to give you wisdom in this situation or in this relationship. I'm going to help you know how to talk to this person who I'm working in their heart too, but I don't want you to snuff out the work I'm doing in them. So let me tell you how I want you to say those things to them because they need to hear the truth, but they need to hear it in love. That is the give and take in the relationship with the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. And I believe Nehemiah had that because we see all throughout these prayers in this book, him conversing with the Lord, asking for help, asking for strength, praying fervently, fasting and praying. It's a continual thing. It was, it was not a, hey, I'm going to go pray now. It wasn't an event. It was a process and a lifestyle. And I believe that's what God is calling us to. Nehemiah understood that. Number two, God is committing to rebuilding the walls of our lives. He wasn't just committed to rebuilding the walls of Israel and Jerusalem. He wants to rebuild the walls in our lives because stuff happens and walls get torn down around our heart and our mind and our emotions. And the Lord says, I want you to be whole. I want you to be filled. I want you to be restored. And so every time we encounter him in prayer, I believe he's rebuilding with the help of the Holy Spirit, the walls of our heart and life that are intended to be there. Because I know that sometimes we put walls up and the walls we put up are the ones that need to be torn down. But his walls, he wants to reestablish us and restore us back to health. So God is committed to rebuilding the walls of our lives. Number three, asking God to remember is a great way to demonstrate trust and the desire to do what God wills. That was one of Nehemiah's prayers constantly. Lord, remember. And Nehemiah didn't think that God had a memory problem. He was also reminding himself, God is good and he keeps good records and he knows what's going on and he sent me here. And his hand is upon me. This was also a prayer to remind him of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Asking God to remember is a great way to demonstrate trust and the desire to do what God wills. I heard a gentleman today, his name's Jim Morgan. He was the former CEO of Krispy Kreme Donuts. In fact, he made it possible for everybody that was at that meeting this morning to walk out with a fresh, hot Krispy Kreme donut. And I, I will enjoy that and love that man for the rest of my life. But more than that, he spoke in that meeting this morning and he said something that amazed me. He said he was having a rough day and he had just moved closer to his grandmother who was the love of his life when he was a child. And he had just moved to a place where he could visit her and he had committed to visiting her every day. And every day he would go visit her, he would pray, Lord, give her strength and keep her alive. Well, she was declining in health, 
but she was still alive. And he was having a bad day at the office. And he felt like something was drawing him to go and visit his grandmother in the middle of the day because he always did it at the end of work on the way home. He'd go by, spend some time with her, talk with her, pray with her. I mean, he never prayed out loud, Lord, keep my grandma alive, but he would pray it under his breath. But this day, it was in the middle of the day, he was having a bad day, so he went and visited. And her name, her name was Apple. And the reason her name was Apple is because someone little, when she was younger, couldn't say Ethel. And so Apple stuck and she was Apple to everybody. I love that. So he's praying for his grandma, Apple, and um, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and reminded him of Jesus praying in the garden. And he said, not my will, Lord, but your will. And he said, he could hear his grandmother, heavy labored breathing. And he's like, Lord, I want to partner with you in what you want to do for Apple, for my grandmother. And he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And as soon as he said that, his grandmother gripped his hand and let go and she went into the presence of the Lord. And he said, he said, I don't know what that meant. All I know is that I had to change from what my will was to what the Lord's will was. Even if it meant I would hurt a little bit, it was going to be better for everyone. That she was now in the presence of the Lord and I was able to be with her in that beautiful transition. And I thought, Wow, what spiritual maturity. What, what sensitivity to even listen to the nudge of the Holy Spirit to go and visit his grandmother and then not be corrected. The Lord just directed him a different way to pray. And look at the result. His maturity increased in Christ. His sensitivity to listen to that still small voice increased. And his grandmother got to go to her reward. And I thought, that's what number three is all about. Asking God to remember is a great way to demonstrate trust because you have to trust in those instances that he knows much better than we do and he's willing to help us. 